So uh, when I was growing up, my dad's side of the family, my dad has eight siblings, uh, my dad's side of the family would always get together on Christmas Eve. Um, all day long, they'd go to my grandparents' house, we'd all go, and uh, it would just be a great time. Some of my favorite memories are of that time. And uh, of course, when it would come time for us to eat our main meal, right, everyone was kind of grazing throughout the day and just sort of eating sweets and different things, but we'd have like our main meal. And of course, we would say our prayers before our meal, like every good Catholic family does. And um, then when I went to seminary, I decided to you know, study for the priesthood, I became designated as the prayer before this meal, which was uh, kind of a scary thing, right? You can imagine, uh, so my, my family, like many families, they're not all still Catholic. Uh, Many of them are no longer going to church. And so when it comes time for the prayers, right, the prayer can't be too long because if it's too long, you're going to ruin the meal. <laughs> and it has, you know, it has to be just so, you know, so like leading up to Christmas, I would sometimes just sort of like get a little nervous about like, okay, I got to think about what I'm going to pray because I don't, you know, I don't want to cause a disturbance kind of thing. Uh, it's actually not that different from the Christmas homily, right? It's like, okay, Father, don't be too long. Make sure we're out of Mass in an hour so that we can get home and, and do our thing, right? Um, anyway, so, so I would, anyway, one year, one year, I decided to do something bold because I occasionally like to mix it up, uh, stir the pot a little bit. So I decided to do something bold for our Christmas Eve meal prayer. I decided that I was going to read one of the nativity stories, one of the stories of the birth of Jesus from the Bible. The, uh, the one specifically that I was going to read was from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. So I decided to do this, and I was, you know, you can imagine, right? I'm like, okay, this is, this is a big move for my family. This is something new, and, you know, people don't generally like new things, uh, especially, you know, like this is the way we've always done it. So anyway, so I was getting a little nervous, and I said, you know, I thought this year maybe we could read uh, the gospel story from the Gospel of Matthew before our prayer. So I read it, and then I said our prayer, and then, you know, that was it. And no one really commented on it, you know, so I was like, okay, survived. But my one uncle came up to me, and he said to me, I've never heard that before. And I just thought to myself, What? I didn't say this on the outside. On the outside, I was just like, okay, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you got to hear this. But on the inside, I'm thinking, you're a 60-year-old man. You were raised in a Catholic household where they went to Mass every Sunday or almost every Sunday. And he's telling me that he's never heard Matthew's version of the birth story of Jesus. And it's just like, wow. Surprising, but also a little sad. Now, it's, it's entirely possible, and I'd say even likely, that he has, in fact, heard that. He had, in fact, heard that before that, uh, and he just forgot, right, as sometimes 60-year-olds do. But at the same time, I just thought to myself, there are some lessons that can be learned here. Because every, every time I think about Christmas, every year around this time, I think of that, actually. 
That's a memory that has stuck with me. And, and so it's just like, okay, what are the lessons that we can learn from that? What are the, maybe the Christmas lessons we could say? The first one is this, you guys. It's, it's so important for us to read the Bible. It's so important for us to read the Word of God, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? As Christians, as Catholic Christians, this is our book. The Catholic Church is, is the organization that put this book together. And it's the primary way that we can know anything about Jesus. Right? So if, if we're not reading the Bible, if we're not reading specifically the Gospels, but like the entire Bible is, is good, and I know that parts of it are very boring, I get that. But there are lots of really, like, I think, interesting things happening inside this book. And so if we're not reading it, right, and if this is the primary way that we can know anything about Jesus, and if we're not reading the Bible, and that means we don't really know anything about we, Jesus. We might have ideas about him. We might, you know, like what we learned in our catechism classes. Um, but if we're not reading the Bible, we don't really know much about Jesus. And if we don't know much about Jesus, then we need to ask the question, like, am I really a Christian? Right? So it's just, it's so important for us. And this, this is the thing, like, this is true for everybody. Everybody who calls him or herself a Christian, this is true. I, as a priest, right, I've, I've read the Bible a couple times, the whole thing. And I read it every day. This is something I recognize that I need to do every day. There's not like a day that I can sort of, you know, maybe I don't need to read the Bible today. No, this is something that, that is, is so important for us to do, each one of us. And so, too, this, the second point is this, that it's, and this is maybe a bigger point, it's so important for us to engage our faith, our Catholic Christian faith, to, to actually act on what we're professing to believe. I was, I was thinking about this. When Joseph had the dream, and so in Matthew's Gospel, right, that's the one where Joseph is sleeping and he's going to divorce Mary because she's pregnant, and how did that happen? And he's going to divorce her quietly. And then, and then he's, while he's sleeping, the angel of the Lord comes to him and delivers a message to him from God himself. And the message is, do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife into your home. For she is going to bear a son, and the son is going to be the savior of the world. And you, Joseph, are to name him Jesus. Right, so it's, it's one thing for Joseph to actually have that dream and to say that he believes that that was, in fact, the angel of the Lord. But then it's the next natural step is he actually has to do the things that the angel tells him to do. Right, if he, if he doesn't do the things that the angel tells him to do, if he divorces Mary, if he uh, just sort of lets them go on their way, if he doesn't name the child Jesus, then then what happens? It seems like the story changes a lot if Joseph doesn't do what the angel tells him to. Right? He has to engage the message that he has received. It's the same for us. Right? Because this is the thing, you guys. Like this is, when, when I think about 
Jesus, right? Jesus, who is, as we heard in our gospel today, the word of God who has existed. He has always existed in glory with the Father. And yet, from his glory, he lays that aside to humiliate himself, to become a baby. He has to have his diapers changed. He has to be fed. Right? And what's more, he's born in poverty. And Jesus chooses all of this, right? This is what he chooses to do. And then what's more, right, he grows up, becomes a man, and allows himself to be crucified. A humiliating way to die. And he does this all, you guys, for us. He does this all for you and for me. That kind of a thing, it just, it demands a response from us. It, it, it like, it demands. And, and, and this is the thing, right? Like, it's not just that it's like Jesus' commands to us and so we got to do it. Although that is certainly part of it, being obedient to him. But what's more, it's like, how can we see this kind of a love and not respond to it? How could we see this kind of a love and not say, oh my God, literally, oh my God. I, I gotta know this guy. I, I just, I have to get to know the kind of person that would do this for me. And this is like, this is, this is part of the good news, you guys, is that real friendship with Jesus is actually possible. Right? It doesn't have to be something where we sort of pretend to love Jesus and then just sort of do our own thing, but real friendship, like we can actually become familiar with him, to begin to to spend time with him. And as we spend time with him, we can actually begin to think like he thinks. We can begin to see life like he sees life. So that, so that when we consider the incredible love of our God for us, we can actually begin to love in the same way in response. Like what an incredible gift that Jesus offers to us that he invites us to, that he challenges us to engage. And again, this is something that's true for every single one of us, right? I'm aware that on the big holidays, Christmas and Easter, I'm aware that there is a variety of people who come to Mass. And, and the variety of people are at a variety of stages in their life of faith with Jesus. Some of us I know who are here actually come to Mass like every day. Some of us who are here, I know, come to Mass only on Christmas and Easter. I was a part of that when I was growing up. That was my family. Right? But this is the thing, that each one of us, we're invited, we're challenged, we're given the opportunity to engage our faith in a real way so that we can really come to know Jesus Christ we can really come to know what it means when we say that he loves us so much that he's willing to die for us, that he's willing to go to war for us, to save us from the powers of sin and death. 
And there are so many incredible resources offered to us, especially now in the 21st century. There are, such, there, there are great podcasts that we can listen to if you're not into reading. There's, of course, the Bible, the Word of God. And there are books written that explain the Bible because the Bible is hard to understand sometimes. Commentaries on the Bible. There are other books written that explain what it is that we believe as Catholic Christians. There are, of course, the sacraments offered to us, the, the, the incredible gift of reconciliation where we can go to Jesus and acknowledge that we have sinned against him. And we can actually hear through the words of the priest the, the words of Jesus which forgive us and absolve us and make our sins go away. What an incredible gift offered to us, the gift of the Mass, where we can come to Mass every week or even every day if we wish. Where heaven comes down to earth and the bread and the wine are in fact changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ himself so that those who are able to receive Holy Communion can come forward, forward and can receive love itself into our body and blood. Like what an incredible gift. And all of this, you guys, is meant for us. It's all meant for you and for me. Intended by God for us to receive it so that we can respond to him appropriately. Right? Because at the end of the day, right, like we can look at the baby Jesus in the manger. And we can look at the man Jesus on the cross. And we can say, this is what he's willing to do for you. But then we have to ask, but what are you willing to do for him in response?